Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. Have an exciting word for you this morning. We're going to be talking this morning about a God encounter. How many of you can use a, a God encounter? Hallelujah. How many of you can use a God encounter? Anybody? Boy, you guys are quiet today. Is something happened or what, what's going on? My goodness. Hallelujah. I'm one of those preachers. I don't like dead services. I like people alive, excited. Get pumped. Get excited about God. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you have called me, Lord God, to uh, bring forth your word. Father, I'm simply a tool in your hand. I'm, Father God, I'm just a servant. I pray that you would use me, and I pray that, Lord God, as the word is being preached this morning, that it will get down into the hearts and minds of people, change them, inspire them, take, take us to a whole nother level, a whole nother realm, God. I pray that you would have free reign in this place today, that you would awaken our spirits, oh God, and that, and that Lord God, that you would get the glory, and, and Lord God, that you would elevate our faith this morning. For, Lord, we declare today that we need you, Lord. Lord, we don't want to just go through another time where we're just having church. But, Father, we want there to be an impact today. That what is spoken from this pulpit will come directly from the throne of heaven. And that it will settle into the hearts of the people. And that they will be inspired and, and Lord God, transformed and excited about what you're going to do. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin reading Isaiah chapter number six, and we'll start in verse number one. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one cried to another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Hallelujah. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send 
and whom will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. That ought to be the cry of every believer. Here I am, Lord. Send me. All of us, if you have been a believer for any length of time, you should be looking and believing God for a God encounter. Many of us can think of particular moments in time in our lives where God has really shown up. And that in this particular time and moment in your life, it really helped to shape the direction of your life. We all look at, we can look back in our lives and we can say, you know what? I remember this particular defining moment in my life because it catapulted me to where I am today. It started with me when uh, I first began to, uh, and I was a part of a church many years ago. When I first got saved, I was probably Five years into my salvation, I, I had one of those old boot camp, I call boot camp pastors. He was from the old school. Uh, you know, talk about preparation, Sister Diver, there was none with this man. He would always tell you, his motto was, always be ready to give hope, to give a reason for the hope that lies within you with gentleness and res- with respect. He would always refer back to that scripture. Well, I, I'll never forget it, but he had one Sunday, he had asked me to pray. Now, I had just been have been asked to become a deacon in the church many years ago. And uh, he wanted me to pray out loud. Now, I was one of those people that was very, very afraid about talking to people. I didn't, anything that had to do with standing in front of anybody to do anything, this brother was like, I ain't, you know, that's not me. I'd rather be in the background. So he asked me to stand up. He said, pray. And I remember I almost passed out because I'm standing and I'm praying and I'm scared to death. So finally, I built enough faith to pray. But then he had gotten word that I knew how to sing. Somebody had heard me singing one day when I was doing some cleaning at the church. And the pastor said, uh, I want you to do a solo. Oh, no, not a solo. And I remember all the way up to that week, that whole time I was sick. You ever been so nervous you've been sick to your stomach? I mean, your stuff just started. You're just turning inside. And you know this is going to be that big moment. But see, at the same time, let me tell you what was happening to me. I knew, see, I always had this real hunger and thirst for the things of God, a hunger and a passion for the word. So I knew God was staring me, and I knew that there was something greater that I had to do, and it involved being in front of people. I knew that, but that did not take care of my nerves. So I stand up there, man, and i never forget the song. It was a song sung by B.B. and C.C. Whining. The song was called He Watches Over Me. And I sang that song with another lady whose name was Leah. Uh, and she was singing the, the, the female part, and I sang the male part. And, and before long, we both, we both were scared to death. And because uh, we both got started. And the pastor, so here's what the pastor did. He said, here's what I want. So, okay, what, what do you want, pastor? He said, okay, from, from uh, <clears throat> every week, one of us would have to sing a solo before he preached. We were the only two people that did it. Now, now it, it, it's okay for the most part if you kind of know that you're going to be singing. But here's what he did. He says, so I'm not going to tell you which one of you will be singing on a given Sunday. This is what he did. Here's what he said. He says, so every Saturday, myself and Leah, whether we were at church or whether we were at home, (laughs) we were prepared to sing Sunday because we didn't know who he was going to call. 
And I remember there'd be times I'd be sitting there like, Lord, don't call me. You know, the part of me was like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Then another part was like, no, 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 no. And so you're going through, you're wrestling, you're uh, all inside, you know. And, 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 and a couple of times I even thought about just, you know, what it would be like if I just rebelled and said, I ain't going to do it, you know. But, but then there was something in my spirit that I knew that God was saying to me, you must do this because this is a defining moment. If you're going to go into what I have for you, you got to do this. You know, sometimes you don't move out until you get pushed. You know, I tell my son all the time, boy, you're almost 18. It's time to get ready to get out. And what am I doing? I'm keeping the pressure on him because I don't want him to get what? Comfortable. Because some of us, if we're honest, we won't step into what God has for us unless God put us, just drop us into it. And so it culminated, watch this. I got the videotape to prove it. And so I de- sooner or later, I develop enough faith to be able to preach in front of, you know, uh, you know uh, or sing, I should say, not preach, not preach at that, at that point. But I developed faith to be able to sing in front of, at that time, we was probably averaging in our service, maybe 50, 60 people, 70 people was a good service. And I've and I was and I've kind of gotten fine. I've gotten used to being just called up on Sunday. I was like, you know, after a while, I got, oh God, I can do this. But then... I was a school resource officer working over at Herndon High School in, in Herndon, Virginia. And so somebody from a church went and told somebody that I knew how to sing. So they had what they call Black History Month. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So they had asked me that if I would sing for Black History Month, one of the, the teachers, the ladies who was sponsoring this thing. I said, well, what, 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 what are you talking about? Why, who told you that? Well, such and such, I heard you can sing. They were at your church. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and my first instinct was to say, uh-uh, because this school, first of all, they had 1,200 kids, all right? Now, I'm about to graduate from what? 60 to 70 to 12. I ain't ready for that. No, 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 no. Oh, not ready for that. And, and before I can say no, it was like, yes, just came out. And I tried to get it back, but it was too late. And now I got to sing. Then they wanted me to, so I have to sing in uniform. So I'm in my, my regular police garb, my uniform. And so when they finally they announced, and I'm, I mean, I am scared because I'm up in uniform. In fact, I called a couple of my buddies. I said, look, I want y'all to guard the back door. I don't know what these kids and what these people are going to do to me. I said, I want you to guard the door. I have no clue what they're going to do to me. So I get up there and I sing. Now, you, some of you may, may know the song, People Need the Lord. This is a song by, by Steve Green. That was a song I had to like to sing. So I get up there, and they said, we have a surprise. And the teacher come out, she said, we have a surprise for you. <laughs> Officer Bailey. The kids are, Wah! They started screaming. Then you can see some of them laughing. They were like rocking back and forth in the chair. Like they could not wait. And when I came up on the stage, they thought it was a joke. They were sitting there laughing. And I, brought, I came up there, and I just kind of nodded. I mean, I'm nervous. And so here's what I did. And I began to sing a song. They started to play the music. And I closed my eyes. And I sang, and I sang the whole time with my eyes closed. I got to take the proof. Couldn't open my eyes. Didn't want to see the people. Didn't do it. But let me tell you what happened, though. But let me tell you what happened. As I began to say, you know, all those kids, and everybody just all in the uproar, and they're screaming, ah, you know, and then as soon as I started to sing, you could hear a pin drop. The boy, could, he could sing. So for the whole time I'm singing, it was... Dead. And you know, it's hard to get 1,200 junior high school kids to be quiet. They didn't make a sound the entire time. And then by the time I got through, they were screaming, yeah. 
<laughs> but let me tell you something. My faith, I felt like Superman. Because I said, I did that. Boy, I, my chest stuck out. I mean, my, my chest stuck out, and I felt like the man. And I said, boy, I can, con- boy, I can do it. I sung in front of 1,200 people. And, it, and it's, I know I can preach. I can do it all now. And that catapulted me to beginning to go into nursing homes, preaching to strangers. I just go up in a nursing home, and I would just preach, and all the old folk would come out. And I had, had a guy come out and play. We just, I just sang. Then I started going into jails. But let me tell you what, 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 what caused that. See, the defining moment for me, a God encounter where I knew God said, you got to do this because if you don't do this, then you can't get to where I want to take you. I'm building something in you. Because had I walked away, perhaps I would have walked away from what God had really called me to do because I would allow fear to grip me. See, every one of you have what I call a God encounter, that God moment where you feel stirred and you know that you're supposed to do this. You may be you may be afraid. You may be scared. But there are defining moments in your life, decisions that you have to make. And you know that God is telling me to do it. And I got to do this. And if you don't do it, you will never get satisfaction until you do what it is that God has called you to do. All of us have had this one defining moment. I hope it was when you got saved. That was a God encounter because when you got saved, your whole life changed. I was living a life recklessly, running away from God. My mom kept me in church, but I ran from God as far as I could when I got to college. I said, Lord, I don't want to go to church. I didn't stop going to church. I said, that's why I'm praying for you, brother. I said, look, I, I, I just want to have fun. Can't have fun going to church. That's what I thought. And so I'm, think, so I'm thinking to myself, you know, and I'm on a run, and now all of a sudden, it was like God just arrested me. And I'll never forget it. I was, uh, get this, I was in, some of you who, who may have been in the Norfolk area, and I think you were down there for a while, uh, they used to have this club, I don't know if they still got it, they used to have this club called the Club Royal Blue. So I'm over there, and this is over in the Little Creek area, it's the Club Royal Blue. So I'm over there dancing, man. Hey, having a good time and, you know, getting my stuff on. And, and <laughs> see, I'm, I'm telling y'all some stuff. They it, it just like, can't believe that. Was I'm up in that dance just getting, I'm, I'm like, I'm tearing it up, but I'm just having a blast. And, and you know what? And it was like almost immediately God, because remember, I had been running from God. And God began to speak in my spirit while I'm at the club. I just said something that came inside of me and said, you need to change your life. And that's where it started. And so, but I just kept on doing my thing, and then I'd go home. I kept hearing, you need to change your life. And I just kept living wild, kept living wild, and God just kept chasing me. You need to change your life. And then it was one day, it, it, I was in my room, and I remember looking out the windows. The sky was blue as it could be, and God spoke to me, not audibly, but it was as if he spoke to me audibly because I never forgot it. He said to me, if you don't follow me now, then I'm going to allow you to go on your way. I knew it. God was telling me, now is your time to give your life over to me. And had I not done it at that moment, I probably would not be standing before you today. So there are defining moments. God encounters. We talk about encounters. Listen listen to me. We talk about encounters. It's a collision with the unexpected. 
It's an encounter that shapes the entire direction of your life. It's a divine moment that cannot and should not be ignored. It's something that doesn't happen frequently. These are certain moments in time where God comes to speak to you. And if you don't move and do what God tells you to do, then you may very well miss out on what he has for you. Defining moments in your life. Brian Houston, who's the pastor of Hillsong Church, a man I have tremendous respect for, great, powerful man of God. He said this statement, and I quote, you see, when we encounter God, something changes. God encounters give birth to new things. God encounters open doors, take ground, and renew strength in our hearts. It clears the clutter in our lives and make room for the divine, the God encounter. So it was with Isaiah here in Isaiah chapter 6. Would everybody agree that Isaiah had a God encounter? I mean, if you see the Lord high and lifted up his train filling the temple, you'd see that. That's what I call an encounter. So Isaiah, who sees God high and lifted up, he, he all of a sudden he starts saying stuff like, I'm a sinner. I'm unclean. And not only that, I dwell among a people who are unclean and who got filthy lips. I mean, my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. And then he said it this way. He said, I am undone. That means I'm tore up. But I just, I'm all discombobulated in my mind. I just, something just happened in my life. And the first thing Isaiah, Isaiah began to talk about his sin, he began, to, he began to, to, to talk about his shortcomings because there's no way that you get an encounter with God and not be changed. You see, every time you have a real authentic encounter with God, it changes the direction. It changes something about your life. People say, well, I had an encounter with God. Well, what proof is it that you've had an encounter with God? Because when you have had a real encounter with God, there's a change that comes over your life. What did Isaiah say? All of a sudden, he recognized that he was among a sinful people. Well, let me ask you. He was always among sin, uh, sinful people, wasn't he? But what changed? The people didn't change that he was around. It was the encounter with God. He saw God, and then all of a sudden, everything around him changed. Everything around him changed. His perspective on life. Everything about life has suddenly changed now. And now he's saying, Lord, send me. I'm ready to go. His life was radically changed. Amen. Think about the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, wanting to what? Kill believers, destroy Christians. A man who would just couldn't wait to find them so he can get rid of them. He had a reputation for destroying Christians and locking them down. He get arrested by the Spirit of God. He's on the road to Damascus, and boom, God shows up in drastic form. And Paul gets knocked off his horse and he gets blinded. And God says to him, I want you to go to this man, Ananias, and I'm calling you to preach to the Gentiles. Paul's life was radically changed after that. No more. The man who was going this way did a complete reversal, and he went another way. He had an encounter with God. See, when you have an encounter with God, something in your life changes. It's going to change the way you think. Now, many of us, when we, gonna, when we have our God encounters, it won't be quite as drastic as the Apostle Paul's. Because some of us couldn't handle it. We'd probably have a heart attack anyway. 
Well, you hear people say, well, I want to see an angel come at my, bo- at my bedside. No, you don't. Because if you read the scripture, everybody who saw an angel, they almost died. Read the script. You read your Bible. Every time somebody saw an angel, they <clears throat> couldn't breathe. But your encounters with God will be just as powerful if you're opening your spirit to what God wants to do in your life. A God encounter. You remember Mary? She had a God encounter. Her life was radically changed. Oh, and don't forget Moses, who's on the backside of a desert, thinking that my life, my dreams, and everything over, and God just shows up. And what did Moses do? Did Moses just kind of look at the bush and keep going and say, oh, what's that? Moses stopped. He says, and then the Holy Spirit began to speak to him. He says, Moses, I'm sending you to my people to deliver my people out of Egypt. And what happened? Everything changed. Moses dropped everything that he was doing, and he went to deliver God's people, and his whole life is radically changed because this was a defining moment. I often think, what would have happened had he just ignored or not taking heed to what God said. Because here's the other thing you got to recognize. Every time that God, that you have a God encounter or God encounters us, I want you to hear this. He doesn't encounter, give you an encounter. See, a lot of people say they had God encounters. Got to be honest with you. Goosebumps don't mean God showed up. Because he said, well, God touched me. What changed? What changed? Because if you had a God encounter, something changed. Well, I got saved. Have you been changed? What changed in your life? Because if you're still the same, you haven't had a God encounter. You had something, but it's not a God encounter. Not really. See, when God comes to your life and he challenges your life, he comes to change some things in your life. He doesn't just come to give you goop bump and make you feel good so you can pray and be really, really happy. You know, that's good, but that's not the purpose of an encounter with God. When God encounters you, stuff changes. Your atmosphere changes. Everything around you begins to change because you've been touched by God. You cannot be touched by God and not be changed. You cannot be. Don't tell me you had a God encounter and everything is the same as it always been. Hmm. By a side note, this is just a side note. That's why whenever God speaks to you and tells you to do something, I want you to hear me. Let's say you, you believe that God has spoken to you. There's a defining moment. He's placed you someplace. He's, he's given you a job. He's given you a spouse. Certain, he's given you a certain location. One of the things, if you know God has spoken to you, be always careful about making moves in the flesh. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. Well, I'm leaving him or her. Why? Because they're tired of it. But did God call you to that marriage? Well, I'm giving up this job. I'm just going to leave because I don't like the boss. But but I thought you told me a couple weeks ago that God gave you the job. You told me a church. I mean, you told me that the pastor prayed and laid hands on you and you got the job. Now, has God told you to leave? That's what happened. With, that's why sometimes Christians, we're always like this.
can't sit still. Ever learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Because if you say God has called you something, you better not leave it until he tells you to because you get yourself in a lot of trouble. We're talking about your destiny and your purpose in God. How do you know God doesn't make mistakes? It's only been one time I left for church. And, and I said to myself, I said, and, I, and it was the same church with the pastor, the boot camp pastor. I call him boot camp pastor. God bless his heart. But, but I, I remember I was one of the few people to stay after someone. Was, I'm not going to go into what happened. But, but, but I kept telling her, everybody else was doing it. I said, and our first temptation was, boy, this ship is sinking. I better go ahead with it. But I said, but something in me said, no, no, you don't move based on what you see the people doing. You move based on what you see the Spirit of God saying to you. Because this is my destiny. This is my purpose. And if God says, I want you here, then you better stay there. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on right now. Hallelujah. But look, but look at this. So that was, a, that was by way of side note. In Exodus chapter number 14. Exodus chapter number 14. Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to give you a couple examples. I am not going to keep you too long. I've already went about five minutes. So y'all are supposed to say, no, pastor, that's not true. Y'all are supposed, supposed to hold me accountable. <laughs> hey, pastor, you, you've been going more than that. Exodus chapter 14, verse number 13 through 17. I think you have it on the screen. Now, you, you remember the story about Moses. Now, I want you to, I want you to see this. Talking about a defining... Now, here's what I want you to think about. Think about a defining moment. Think about a God encounter. A God encounter, when God encounters you, remember this, he always come to change and to give you direction about your life. He always come to give you the next series of steps about what it is that he wants you to do whenever he encounters you. Now, watch this. Uh, are you there? Okay. And Moses said to the people... Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see, you shall see again no more forever. That's what you, that's, that means God got, it, God got their backs. The Lord will fight for you. That's right. Hallelujah. And you shall hold your peace. Glory to God. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I will indeed and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will begin. I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. The children of Israel got delivered, right? I mean, God had brought them out of Egypt. Now, when they first came out. Boy, there was some dancing and celebration going on. They had a tambourine. They were dancing because, you know, because God gave you, God, we had a God encounter. And I know, I know God spoke to us. You know why? Because he sent plagues. And he, just, and he just, just destroyed half the people in Egypt. So I know that I'm in the will of God. Oops, until trouble comes. When trouble comes, everything changes because now they find themselves. I want you to picture for a moment that this is a body of water. A body of water. All right. Now, I'm going to make you guys, just for the purposes of this message, Pharaoh's army. 
So here they are. They're dancing. They're singing. And they're praising God. Woo-doo. Now you're the army. You're coming after me. Sit down. Don't, don't move. I don't want you to <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. So you come out. So they're dancing. They're praising God. And all of a sudden they realize they come to an ocean of water. And then the word comes. They can hear the horsemen. So now they realize now Pharaoh and his army, they're on my back. They're coming to get me. And so the people now realize we, we're trapped. The armies have got our backs. And in front of us, there's nothing but a sea of water. What are we going to do? And you know the first thing you start doing? Moses, I told you. Why you brought us all here to die? It's all your fault. You should have left us in Egypt in oppression. You should have left that there where there were some leaks. There were some onions. There were some cucumbers. You should have left that there. But see, whenever God want to call you to something greater, he's always going to take you through some trials and tribulations. He's always going to take you through some stuff in order to get to the next level. You're going to have to suffer a little bit. That's right. Suffering means, you know, suffering means you're just going to have to go through some things. So, so here they are. So now, so now they're mad. They're, they're screaming. Lord, Lord. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's army gets close. And, and Moses, because they're yelling at Moses, and Moses says, uh, God says to Moses, this is a God encounter, a defining moment. God says to Moses, tell them stop yelling at me. Why are you talking to me? Tell my people to do what? Move forward. And when they move forward, God began to open up the Red Sea, and he made a way out of what we like to say in the old folk church. He made a way out of no way. So now they're walking on dry ground. Now, I want you to now, now think about this. Moses said, now tell the people, don't cry. Now, would you not say this is defining the moment because all the promises of God was rest on the people of Israel. The whole nation could have been, they could have been destroyed. They could have, because they would have, they would have just stood there and cried. And they just would have got whoop. God said, no, move forward. Now, think about it. Had they not moved forward, the story in our Bible may be totally different today. Would you not say that that was a defining moment? That was a God encounter. Now you hear what I'm talking about. Some of you, you're thinking right now, boy, I had some God moments. You're thinking about it right now. I had, but there was a couple things that happened in my life. I knew if I didn't do that. And you're going to have, and the reason why I'm preaching this message, because you're going to have some more God moments that's going to be coming your way. And you've got to be able to recognize it when it comes. Look at, uh, look at Luke chapter 19. We can go through these real quick. and I'm almost done. Luke chapter 19. Boy, this, this, this passage of scripture really, you can catch the passion of when Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. But look, it says, now, look at this. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Now, look at this. He wept over it, saying, if you, watch this. Now, I want you to hear this. If you had known even you, Especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side. And what? Level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave you, leave in you one stone upon another. Watch this. Underscore this. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Here's what Jesus did. Do you hear what he's saying there? 
Now, everybody who, who know any Bible history, in AD 70, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. You hear people talk about it all the time. Jesus was prophesying right here and there. He said, look, here's what's going to happen to you because you did not recognize your God moment that I have been sent by God, that I am your Messiah. And because you did not recognize who I am, because you did not understand who, 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 what, what I represent, the fact that I came from God, that he sent me, that I am your Messiah, because you didn't get it, your enemy is going to take advantage of you. And so Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70. And he said, because you didn't recognize, watch this, you didn't know the time of your visitation. I wonder how many of us had had God moments where we didn't recognize it. We just simply ignored and said, oh, well, you know that there are times, you know, that you can actually miss your God moment. Think about it. You can miss a God moment, a time when God is trying to get your attention and, and you can totally miss it, not even realize what happened. Because like I said before, if you're waiting for God to show up at the foot of your bed in like a theophany form or <laughs> show up as an angel or whatever or, or himself show up, probably more than likely won't happen that way. He's going to speak to you in more subtle ways. So what, 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 what makes you miss your God moment? Watch this. This is five things and we're done. Number one is we get too busy. We get too busy doing some things we're doing are, are good things. But sometimes we miss God because we're just too busy doing things instead of doing the things we should be doing. We're just staying focused on him. Number two, sometimes we miss our God encounter because we're self-willed. What do you mean by that, pastor? You're self-willed, meaning that you know how sometimes we get it in our minds, you know, that this is the way that I know God tells me to do it. I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to change no matter what. It's a dangerous place to be. We get self-willed and we're driven by our own lust of what we want instead of saying, God, what is it that you want? Another reason why we miss a God moment is because of doubt and unbelief. Maybe we've had situations in our life where God didn't come through for us, where God didn't answer prayer the way we thought that God would answer him. And we get discouraged. And then what happened is we walk around and we don't believe God for anything. And that's a terrible place to be. You're just living your life. You have no faith. And if God wanted to speak to you, you can't hear it because you're not even there. It's like I'm just existing. I'm just going through the motions. God can't even get your attention, even if he wanted to. See, God... God will show up in your life if you are expecting him to show up in your life. If you look at the Bible, it says, seek and you will what? Find not and the door will what? Be open unto you. God got to be in us something that says, Lord, I look, you got to pray for your God encounter. Some of you need things to happen in your life. You need to pray. So, Lord, show up. Show up, God. Then number four, we said five things, right? Number four, we dislike sometimes the methodology. Look at Matthew chapter uh, 13, verses 54 through 58. Matthew 13. <laughs> I think you have it up here. When, now listen to this. This is Jesus coming to his own country. He wanted to minister. Now hear this. Sometimes we miss our God encounter because we don't like the methodology or the package, how God packaged up, how he wants to work in our life. 
Jesus, the scripture says, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get all this wisdom and mighty works? Is it not that the car, he's a carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are, not, are they not all with us? Where then did he get all these things? So they were offended. Now here it is that they should be happy that Jesus had come. He wanted to do miracles. They were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And now, look at this. He did not do many mighty works there because of their what? Unbelief. Because of their unbelief. They didn't like the package. You know, in fact, they said they, they didn't receive Jesus because they said, no, you're supposed to be the Messiah. You, you, you don't look right. You don't look like a Messiah, not the Messiah that we were thinking we were going to get. The Messiah that we were thinking, we, we thought he's going to come with power, with glory. He's going to change some stuff. You sitting here looking like you, you know, you're dirty. You don't look, you don't, you just look like a regular, ordinary person. You can't be it. Therefore, they didn't recognize their visitation. They didn't know who he was. And because they failed to recognize who he was, they missed their blessing. They missed their defining moment because they did not recognize who he was. And, and Jesus said, look, he did not do many works there. He didn't do anything there because the people didn't believe him. So there was a God moment waiting to happen. But because, you know, sometimes God will ask you to do things. He asks you to go places. He asks you to hook up with certain things and people. And you may say, well, I don't like that. But that may be the very vehicle that God want to use in order to take you to your next level. I find that God often works in unconventional ways. He always do stuff contrary to the way you think he's going to do it. I think he do that on purpose to keep us humble. I really believe that. I believe God just said, I'm going to mess y'all up. Y'all think I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it totally opposite. I'm just going to blow y'all. Because y'all always think, because in every human being, there's this desire that we think that we are supposed to know it all. We got all the answers. And God just kind of show up all the time. He just does stuff that's totally opposite. That's why whatever people, look, here's the pattern, right? Whatever people think how Jesus is going to, whatever he's going to do in the future, the way that you already got it in your own mind, you ain't right. No, what do you mean, Pastor? Now, you got everybody, now, let me give you an example. This is a side note. There have been, what, so many people read the book of Revelation, right? You got people pre-trib, post-trib, all kind of trib. Oh, we're going to be here when Jesus goes, oh, no, we're going to take a, you know. But you got theologians arguing about it. I mean, people who love the Lord. And I realize, you know what? None of y'all really know what's going to happen. But what you better do is what he tells you to do. Be ready. I'm not really sure when he's going to come. I used to, and I used to not first got to say, you know the book I was drawn to? Revelation. I spent months in Revelation. I wanted to get it. And boy, I went preaching. I told everybody, we pre-trip. Church ain't going to be here. And I'm arguing. I couldn't wait to get it. The church ain't going to be here. If you say you're going to be gone before the tribulation. And I'd be arguing my point in the name of Jesus. I don't even get into that kind of stuff. I just don't. I don't have time for that no more. I just stick to what is very clear to me. And just stick to what the word says, okay, that's good. I, I, you know, I ain't going to argue with you no more. But oftentimes, you know, God does things. You remember the story in, um, y'all might recall the story uh, in the book of uh, 2 Kings. So it gets a guy named Naaman. What's wrong? This guy named Naaman. Naaman was a... Uh, he was a commander of the Syrian army. Naaman had leprosy. Leprosy was like AIDS today. We had, actually, it was a lot worse. At least with AIDS, you can be around people, right? 
I mean, you can be, you know, as long as you don't, you know, the um, DNA stuff is not mixed, you're fine. Well, Naaman had leprosy. When you had leprosy back in those days, there's no cure. I think it's still no cure today. And you had to get quarantined. You couldn't be around nobody but other lepers. Your life was pretty much over for the most part. I mean, you just wait to die. And so Naaman is the captain of the Syrian army. He gets the word, right? I think this isn't just for your reference. This isn't so you can go back and look at it at home. This is in 2 Kings chapter number 5. So when you want to read it in your spare time, read it because we we're basically done. But <clears throat> Naaman says, uh, so, the, so there was a woman, a servant, who was there in Syria, in Syria who was from uh, Israel. And she was a Jewish girl. She said, look, there's a man of God. You can go to him and he will cure you of your leprosy. He goes to the man of God. Man of God said, sends back words. Said, look, tell him to go dip his head in the Jordan River seven times. They go back and tell him. The prophet said, dip your head in the water seven times. He said, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I just passed four or five different lakes, and there's a lot other, lot other lakes that are a lot cleaner, a lot other rivers that are cleaner than this. Jordan River was dirty and nasty. And he, and he said, he said, I ain't going to put my head in that. No, 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 no. And, and finally, somebody, one of his servants talked some sense into him. said, look, if he would have asked you to do some real hard thing, you would have done it. Man, just go do what the prophet God said. And he mad. I, ain't, I don't want to go. But see, so he goes, dips his head in that dirty water seven times. I want to think about it. Mud, dirty water, seven times. He comes up the seventh time, and his face is clear. The leprosy is gone. He got healed. But would you not say there was a defining moment in his life? There was a God moment. Because if he didn't do what God said to do right then and there, what would have happened? He'd have probably died in his leprosy. But because he le- see, sometimes our pride. And remember I said God a lot of times do things the way you don't want him to do it. You got to think. See, God ain't, you know, God, God had to do things like, like Jesus one time when the man was blind, he spit, spit on the ground and rub it out. I'd be, you know, some of us would be like, you put your spit in, you spit and you're going to put that on my face? Oh, no, no, no. You know, some of us would be like, if I was right now, I would say, look, brother, I'm going to hear you. <laughs> you would be like, oh, pastor. <laughs> You'd be blind, but be like, no, pastor. <laughs> No, pastor. No, no. <laughs> I won't take that. See, we don't think about that, but God always does things outside of the box. You never know how your God moment is going to come. But when it comes, you better be ready and you better do exactly what he says to do, even if it don't make sense to you. Stop trying to make sense on everything God tells you to do and just do it. You know a Nike commercial? Just do it. That's their model. Just do it. Naming got, naming got cured, but almost... He did not get cured because of his pride. Because I don't want to, I ain't going to dip my face in no dirty stinking water. No way. Just like my son the other day. I'm going to tell on you. <laughs> you forgive me later. We was here on Christmas Eve, right? Somebody stopped up the toilet. Oh, come on. I'm preaching now. And I walk over there in the hallway, and the, and the water is leaking. Y'all have just left. The water is coming out the ladies' bathroom all on the floor. And let me tell you, it was a horrific odor. It smelled. Somebody was sick. It smelled terrible. And so, so now usually, 
So I'm thinking, so my son, you know, Christian is like one of those kind of people. He, he don't want to get it. He, he'd be one of those kind of people that be like, you try to heal him and you don't spit. He ain't going to let you do it. Like, he don't want to get dirty. He ain't trying to. So I said, uh, I said, well, who's supposed to do it? I said, because how come I always, every time something happens, I always got to do it. I said, you do it. He said, and it, it was thick. He's walking there. <laughs> And, he, and it's and it's things. I mean, it's, I'm like, Whoa! and and he's he's like, why? Well, why did I get? That's nasty. That's that. I said, son, do it. And I everything in me to keep from laughing because I was almost dying inside. Boy, I was trying to be serious. But clean this stuff. And I'm laughing, just trying to hold myself. But you know what? You know what though? But I told Christian. I said, you know, Christian, perhaps. Your blessing and your next level of blessing is tied to whether or not you'll clean that stinky bathroom or not. Whether or not you'll do the stuff that nobody else wants to do. Because that may be the vehicle by which God wants to take you to the next level. Doing the stuff that you don't want to do. Doing the stuff that's unpopular that nobody else wants to do. Those are the people that God wants to use. Those are the people that God can trust. Every head is bowing, every eyes closed. Hallelujah.